Welcome to episode 153 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharkley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello. It is Monday night, May 23rd, and tonight we're going to recap a little Three Rivers Comic Con that we just experienced this past weekend. And we're going to talk about a brand new Mark Millar comic called Empress that the three of us just read issues one and two of in the last hour. So this is a piping hot, fresh review. We haven't even talked to each other about it, so we'll be surprised at our feelings. Well, Ian, what we were doing here was we were, in classic McSauce comic book podcast fashion, saving it for the podcast. That's true. That's what we like to do. Before we can get into our thoughts, our feelings, our impressions of Empress, Paul, we like to start things with housekeeping. We do. Ian, take it away. Well, I'd be remiss before we get into housekeeping if I didn't wish my good friend Paul McGinty a happy birthday today. Is it your birthday? Thank you very much, buddy. It is. Holy shit. It is. At the time of this recording, it is my birthday. Happy birthday, man. So whenever you guys hear this, if it's a few days from now, if it's 30 years from now, make sure to wish Paul a happy birthday. And you can do said wishing of happy birthday. You can do it on mixsauce.com. We have a brand new website with new features, a new color scheme, a new way that, to browse through the comic book, the comic strips, the comic books that we write. <laughs> yeah, that would be horrible. Uh, you can go and select through the tabs. There's comics, podcasts, and reviews. You can check out all the things that we do there at mixsauce.com. It's sort of a work in progress right now. We're kind of still uh, tidying up everything and making it the way that we want it to be. But please go and check out our new website. It's been a lot of years in the making. A lot of hard work has gone into delivering you, the fans, this wonderful website. So if you take a look at the website and you want to give us some feedback, the best way to do so is at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash McSauce. You can comment on all of our posts that we update weekly, and you can also have direct conversations with us on there. The podcast that you're listening to can be found in a variety of ways. You can find us on Stitcher, you can find us through iTunes, you can also find us through Podomatic, and some of the older episodes, we have a catalog, an archive, if you will, of 150 plus episodes. If you go to mcsaucepodcast.libsyn.com, you can find all of the old favorites there, like The Sexual Awakening of Lando, or Toonie Stark, all the old cl- Ronald McMurder, one of my favorites. <laughs> so, if, if, if we're... The one thing that we excel in is naming our podcast. I, I, I think we would all agree on that. Yeah, I think around this table we all agree. Yeah, if anything, we are a great name generator. Mm-hmm. Watch, at the end of this one, we'll be like, guys, I don't know what the hell we're going to call this episode. <laughs> so this past weekend, maybe, maybe some of you are new to the podcast, and maybe the way that you came across the podcast was that you met us in person at Three Rivers Comic Con this past weekend. That's what we did out at the wonderful Century 3 Mall and uh, had a really, really excellent time there. Great people that we met, a lot of fun events to take place there. Can, can I can I back it up for just one second? Certainly. When you, you referred to Century 3 Mall as 
the wonderful Century 3 Mall? Well, if you were there this weekend, all of you would know that I am being sarcastic. Because the reason why we know it's not wonderful is because it housed a comic book convention. Hmm. Usually malls don't have that kind of open space unless you have a lot of closed stores. Century 3 Mall just happens to be that kind of mall. Uh, abandoned, it, I think, is the term. It's very much like a, like a ghost town. But, but you can see at one time there was a thriving and vibrant culture that existed. Uh, and sadly, that's, that's not the case anymore. There are remnants mm-hmm. of it. Crazy, crazy staircases all throughout, Paul. I don't know what's going on there. There's 18 floors at one point. <laughs> I remarked to I remarked to Ian that it looks like an MC Escher drawing <laughs> in one of the areas. Well, I, th- I think there's four. I think it maxes out at four floors. Are you sure? At one point, maybe it's. T- I think it's technically three. At that Did, one point, but the way the there are so many <laughs> the way the stairs and the ramps well, we all were, lead in and off of one another. Yeah, it looks like there's about eighteen. Matt, yeah. you and I were talking about the, the the empty space. There's so much unused space and ramps and walkways that you would never see in any kind of modern mall. Right. Because it's just, you look at it and you can just see the dollars seeping away from the mall <laughs> and going it's, other right. places. It's unusable space. It's wasted space. Not that it matters because the space that is usable is being it's wasted. It's also well. unusable. So not that it really matters. But there's, there's such a charm to that aesthetic that exists because it's such a throwback to a mall. I, I also remarked to Ian earlier uh, on uh, I believe it was yesterday Ian mm-hmm. I said this mall very much feels like the mall rats mall to me uh, I don't exactly know how to quantify that why I felt that way maybe because it feels very asymmetrically laid out you know there's not it's not just one like walkway whereas like in the mall rats movie I always felt like there were little corners of the mall that kind of like maybe didn't get that much foot traffic or something. That's what I felt like existed at this mall. All the major malls that are thriving successes by today's standards are very symmetrically laid out. So for you, those of you listeners out there that are looking to like design a mall, I recommend symmetry. It seems to be the big money maker. Yeah. Like uh, I would recommend ovals. And um, two floors. Two floors. Two floors. Two floors. Not one floor. Not three floors. Two floors. Oval. Um, One thing that I wasn't being sarcastic, which was wonderful, were the lovely folks at New Dimension that hosted the Three Rivers Comic Con. They really really knew how to, to throw a comic convention it was the focus of the con was really on comic books and the creators lots of local creators like ourselves and the treatment that we received from them was top-notch so our hats off to yeah they they really did a great job making all of us vendors uh feel very welcome and special uh got us drinks food uh you know made sure any of our needs were uh, attended to very promptly. Uh, 
is that aspect of the show uh, was amazing. You know, you know, we've done a lot. We did a lot of shows last year, and um, you know, even some of the smaller shows that we did last year didn't have quite the same attentiveness mm-hmm. to what we were looking for. I completely agree with that. This was out of all the conventions that we've ever done last year or even beyond last year uh this one was definitely the most uh cordial it was the most uh welcoming and and attentive to our needs um yeah absolutely i think i think the hosts need a shout out in that regard because um they really stand out i think from from any any place we've ever been previously <clears throat> and I think that the way that we were treated um, and all the vendors were treated, that enthusiasm and kindness really um, was reciprocated back to the people that were attending. And all the vendors were in a pretty decent mood, I'd have to say. Some of the conventions that we go to, you get into old grouchy vets that kind of don't appreciate things, but no one was... No one was uh, crab crabby or uh you know in a bad spot this whole weekend it was a good time i agree paul did you have a highlight of the convention over the over the two days that we were there uh the highlight of the convention was probably seeing some familiar faces uh, some other vendors um, some other local folks that come out to shows that we've seen at, at different shows in the past um it was nice being set up next to artist Byron Winton. Uh, I, we were close to him in West Virginia last year, but I didn't get a chance to actually talk to him for too long, but I got to spend some time with him and you know, talk to him about his work and his process and you know his horror interests. So uh, we may have him join us later on in October for Mixostober to talk some, uh, talk some horror arts and horror movies. That was really great, uh, being able to see the, uh, the incomparable Garrett Free, <laughs> the man of boundless energy. Uh, you know, being able to see Garrett, uh, yes, see our energy, buddy, thy uh, name is Garrett Free. Right, our, uh, our buddy, uh, Josh Bomber of Bombtron Art. Uh, yeah, just, you know, being there and socializing, I'm a pretty, uh, friendly guy, so, uh, being a social butterfly, it's in my nature. And going to these cons really allows me to be the butterfly that I was, that I've grown up to be. Yes, butterflies <laughs> flying away from the table to go and mingle. <laughs> butterflies uh, that you have mutated into. Yeah, what are we? Right. We're um, social caterpillars because we have to just kind of s- crawl around the table and wait for Butterfly McGinty to return. That's right. That's right. That's how I see it. <laughs> Yeah, Paul has what uh, that we like to refer to as woo. Uh, it's it's a the X factor, if you will. It's a thing that just kind of like draws people in. He connects to people so uh, so seamlessly, so naturally. Um, so that that's Paul was doing his thing. He was wooing everyone. I was doing that woo that I do. And it was also nice to see some of our friends from. Now I'm going to get in trouble because I wasn't really paying attention to their political games that are happening with their uh, different factions, but they were of the 501st, also Rebel Legion, is that correct? Uh, 
Rebel Legion is separate from separate. the 501st. And they, they're from the 501st. Because their story was kind of getting convoluted. And Whatever. They're, they're Star Wars cosplayers. Um, it's all one family, in my opinion. People that love Star Wars. These guys carry the torch. They love Star Wars. And they promote it at these conventions in a big, big way. And they have great costumes. So it was nice. They're friends of ours from comic conventions past it was nice to see them catch up with them watch the hockey game with them and uh, also be insulted by them which is one of their favorite things to do to us uh, I think that Paul and Matt are two of my closest friends I don't ever hesitate to share things where we're a very sherry kind of group me and Matt shared some wings there was a point where we all three of us shared a dessert a delicious Buffalo Wild Wings ice cream dessert. <laughs> and we got all... One dessert, three spoons. And as we were digging into the deliciousness... I... <laughs> uh, we were insulted by our friends from the 501st and were told that what we were doing was casually gay. <laughs> so... I... Okay, so it was. I don't care. That was my personal highlight of the weekend. That dessert... Yes. Sharing that dessert. And sh the fact that it was shared by the three of us in a very casually gay way, I just feel like it was the perfect cap to a perfect weekend. I agree. Yeah. And the yeah. next time I get that dessert, I'm a, a big-time supporter of Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> I think half my salary goes to that place. I, I think they were called dessert nachos, for those of you that yeah. want to share it. Three people's the magic number when you share that dessert, by the way. It was a perfect amount. I, no one man could take that dessert no, down. I feel like a fourth person could have also helped. A fourth could have partaken. dessert nachos. But, but, that's only if there's four people on their podcast. That's true. And Dominic left at that point, so he, he couldn't... He was not even, there for dessert. He, he was only there for the appetizers. He, he couldn't... in joy in some of the light homoerotic dessert eating so <laughs> he missed out so thanks for making fun of us 501st that was nice Ian did you have a highlight? Um, I like the after party that they threw they brewed up a special batch of Darkest Dawn Stout for the vendors and artists and we were able to partake in some of the specialty beer as well as everyone was given a commemorative beer um, to take home with them. It was numbered and uh, it was it was a nice little um, cap to Saturday and we also received some food. It was got to hang out with some of the artists afterwards. It was a fun time so I really enjoyed that part. That would be my highlight. Cool. So, in classic McSauce fashion, we like to uh, roll into each episode. Sometimes we know what we're going to talk about. Sometimes we just roll off the cuff. Tonight, kind of a roll off the cuff night. Well, Paul, look, it's your birthday tonight. Um, well, it's been your birthday all day, really, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been all day since I woke up. So, yeah. Um, being that it's your birthday, would you like to be the one that chooses where this topic takes us next? Or would you prefer Ian to do it? It's um, not my birthday. Well, it's the birthday boy's decision. Well, we're going to talk about Empress 
numbers one and two. Oh, is that you want to go right into that? Do you want to talk about something else? I wasn't sure if you wanted to tell us about the best birthday present you ever got in your life. Uh, ever? Or just well, today? in your life, ever? Yes. Today's was today's was uh, today was a good birthday, pretty good birthday. Um, in my life, I I um. I don't really know. Nothing. Do Do you have like best birthdays? I feel like I've I've gotten stuff throughout I, my life, and I'm like, yeah, that was great, but I don't think I can ever pinpoint one thing back to. This was the birthday. I got there, this. it's tough to remember individual birthdays if they're not the milestone year. Like I remember my twenty first. I remember my thirtieth. Um, I just remember twenty first. I remember my eighteenth. Believe that I got a television on my eighteenth birthday. Yeah. Yeah. After the 21st one, all the others have just been one next step into darkness. Yeah, that's into true. Into that sweet, sweet night. Yeah. That sweet, sweet <laughs> eternal sleep. So, you know, it's interesting that you remember the, the milestone ages. For me, I remember birthdays based on the shit that I get for them. So if I didn't get a good present, or if I got an exceptionally bad present, looking at you, Dad, when I turned 16 oh. years old. Oh, how dare you. Oh, both my mom and dad forgot me on my 16th birthday. <laughs> my mom goes out with her friends. That's... It's just me and my dad. It's my brother's out working or something. It's just me and my dad hanging out, and maybe it's like 6.30, 7 o'clock, and I said, Hey, Dad, you know it's my birthday today? Oh, what an uncomfortable conversation. And he goes, oh, um, oh, no. well, what do you want for dinner? We want to go out, we'll, we'll get some dinner. Uh, Maybe we can run a movie. And it was your 16th? That's, My 16th birthday. That's a milestone birthday. Well, you know, hey, in his defense, it's the most memorable birthday ever. Because I remembered it was shitty. Okay, we rented a movie. Okay. Movie of your choice, or was movie. your dad like, we're going to get this? <laughs> it, was a, it was a movie of my choice. Oh, that was nice of Okay, him. 16. This would have been um, 1995. October of 1995. What movie do you think we rented? Any, any guesses? 1995? Was it Jurassic Park? October no. of 95. 95 is like, what? Or Jurassic Park was 93. Yeah, but, you know, it could have been. It could have been anything. Rental. And you know what? You're You're not... Somebody to just go to the new section. You're like, you go back, I, deep I, cut. I've been known to dig a little at the mm -hmm. movie store. But I feel at 16, maybe some new hotness was out there. I don't know. Uh, Batman Forever? I don't know. <laughs> that no actually idea. wasn't bad. By the way, um, before I get sidetracked, um, well, this is going to sidetrack us, but before I forget this particular sidetrack, I want to mention it. Have you guys seen the montage poster for um, um, the new X-Men movie? Um, yeah, X-Men Apocalypse. Apocalypse. The montage poster with all the X-Men on it. Mm -hmm. Is it just me or does it feel very reminiscent of the Batman Forever movie poster where all the characters have almost like a like a perfect shimmer, like a perfect gleam to them? I don't think I've seen this poster. <clears throat> I'm trying to find it. I haven't seen. I've seen a lot of advertisements for this film, there's, but I haven't seen quality, this particular poster. That there's a quality about. to it that, to me, makes it feel very 1996. 
Yeah. And I realize it's supposed to take place in the 80s, but it, it just, the, everything feels wrong and off about this one. But anyway. About Apocalypse. Yeah. But I didn't mean to get sidetracked there. What I, what I want to tell you guys is the movie that I rented, um, it was not Batman Forever and it was not Jurassic Park. It was more adult. Any other second guesses? I can tell you. Uh, cool World? No. No, but I, that's another good thought. More adult than that. Basic Instinct. <laughs> no, I told you I was watching was with my it, dad. Bar, bar Wire? I don't know. Was it uh, Black Orchid? What were those Drew Barrymore movies called? No. Uh, no, Poison Ivy, I, I believe they called. Yeah. I don't know. What was, was it so... Blown Away with Nicole Eggert and the Corys? No, but let me tell you was something. Was it Tales from the Crypt? Bordella of Blood? <laughs> with Dennis Miller? No. But... That Blown Away movie was very instrumental in my formative years. Ah, uh, yes. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> Made you a man. I would love to see what Nicole Eggert looks like today, because I know she went through a few phases where maybe, you know, chocolate cake wasn't kind to her, oh, but oh, maybe she has worked away the pounds. I like how you can feverishly hear the keys clicking as I'm, as everyone's like, oh, I wonder what Nicole Eggert looks like, 2016. But I feel like I feel like I look her up on a fairly regular basis. Really? Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what she looks like. That's 2016, Ian? Oh, shit. Nicole. Nicole! Got that juice! Oh, no. That's a little more than juice. Is it? Come on, Nicole. Yeah, I feel like that's more than juice. But, hey, we all get old. We all yeah, get fat. She's still so, pretty. You know, she is still pretty. She looks very much like um, Stifler's mom. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, a, a prettier Stifler's mom. <clears throat> right. No, so, anyway, nobody's guessed. I'm going to tell you. It was Pulp Fiction. Oh, Quentin wow. Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Okay. We rented it. Was this the first time that you saw it? No, actually, I had seen it at the Super Saver Cinemas in Northway Mall uh, when it was mouthful. still in theaters. Right. It was. It was when the theater was like. It originally started as a one dollar theater, and then it went to a dollar fifty, and then it was two dollars, and yeah. I think by this time it was probably like a five dollar theater or something. But anyway, saw it then, loved it. Rented it, loved it again, uh, maybe because I was enjoying it over a delicious bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken that my dad also got me for my Is birthday. That your birthday. Mm. Did, Rented. Did he give couple. you the whole bucket? Like, here you go, son. Not no, no, no. Candles and a chicken wing. No, no. We shared it. We shared it. They're probably. I. Unfortunately, it was so long ago. I don't remember. But just to spice up the story, I'm gonna say we had sides. I'm gonna say we had some. Biscuits and mashed potatoes and gravy. Mashed potatoes and gravy are good but mainly stuff. Mainly, it was, it was the bucket of chicken. We yeah. enjoyed that together. We enjoyed the movie together. It was, you know, hey, look, it was father-son bonding. It was the best forgotten birthday of all time. Yeah, but like other birthdays in the past, they weren't necessarily about being forgotten. They were about the presents that I got. And there was like a stretch in the like kind of late 80s and into the early 90s where, like, I, I just can remember the gifts I got. I got the Chuck Norris action figure. It was in his training fatigues back when he had a cartoon show. It wasn't the one where he was shirtless. 
and he had like the karate, the karate pants on mm. with the black belt. These were like his training fatigues, and it was kind of like blue pants and a blue vest. We'll have to look that up as well next to Nicole Eggert. Um, I'm not as interested in that as I was Nicole Eggert. But, <laughs> but now that you've I'm seen her... I'm going to be honest. But now that you've seen her, you're probably going to enjoy this picture better. Probably. But anyway, so I got that. And then, like, the next year, I got the, like, I was on this Boglins, like, big, oh, crazy... Oh, boy. I liked Boglins. Kit, yeah. Right? They were... Paul, do you remember the Boglins? Oh, absolutely. Those rubber, those rubber goblin-y looking puppets that came in cardboard box crates with, like, fake kind of, like, bent bars, and you could put your hand up in the crate and control the Boglin and his eyes and his mouth and everything. There was a lot of creepy, creepy toys back in the 80s. Yeah. Like and they had crazy names. Squawk, Dork, Squeal. I like that you can remember. I think I had Squeal. I had the blue one. Squeal. Was Squeal the blue one? There was a there were there were three big ones, and then there were like a series of smaller ones, which I had kinda like all of them. Like really? I was collecting yeah. big all Boglins of them. guy. Yeah, because um I I remember I had a birthday party at the water slide. It was like this indoor water slide, best mm. birthday party ever. And I was getting like you know, five bucks mm-hmm. from each kid. And, like, I saved up enough to, like, get all the Boglins. As a matter of fact, there's even a home video. There's a home video yeah. where one of the kids, as I'm opening up these cards with money, he's popping out. He goes, um, that's just enough to get all the Boglins. <laughs> he actually says that. Oh, boy. So, is that Squeal? No, I had a Vlob. <laughs> ah, Vlob the Boglin. Vlob. What what a horrifying toy for children. No wonder. There's what... a there's a commercial that you can check on YouTube that actually like features all the Boglins. But yeah, there was um, I think my first one was was Dork. I think it was called Dork, Donk or Dork. I'm not, I can't remember exactly, but um, so I remember the Boglins. I remember. The Chuck Norris action figure. I remember muscle things. It's all about the the toys, Paul. As it as it should have been back then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now I, I'm sure it would be all about uh, video games. Or for the closest thing to toys is probably the Disney uh, Disney Infinity figures, maybe. But those are still digital related. You mean for kids these days? Yeah. Well, they're into action figures too, aren't they? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought the action, I thought the current action figure market was waning. I don't know, man. We went on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast every year. We do the McSauce Comic Book Podcast Toys for Todd's charity, as you know. And we went to Toys R Us and we filled a cart with all kinds of shit that was pretty cool. We bought stuff that we thought we would have loved as kids. Did it feel like it was waning to you as we were loading up that cart? Uh, not necessarily loading up the cart because we loaded up the cart, but I felt like there were less options of action figures. I feel like it, at one point, you know, there would have been a much larger selection. Maybe. Um, Ian, do you feel like the the toy action figure market has waned in the years since when we were kids versus like what's available today? I think that there's still the same amount of toys that are out there. But there aren't as many original ideas on the shelves nowadays. 
Um, the stuff that you see, it's all licensed properties nowadays. I, that's, I, a, that's a good point. Like it's it's all you know your Star Wars, your Marvel, your Transformers, which I know was an original property back in the day, but it right. doesn't fit. You know, it's a more of a movie thing now. Um, back when we were growing up, there was stuff like um, you remember the Mad Scientist Laboratory toys, yeah, the slime that mm-hmm. we and you Absolutely. could cover like um, yeah. monster skeletons with yes. monster skin and yes. um, Sectars was another one that I wanted to bring up. The oh, the insect characters yeah the yeah yeah insect puppet kind of uh with um with battery powered wings that would yep. fly around and just a lot of really interesting toys that didn't necessarily connect to any kind of cartoon or or anything it was just toys for toys sake yeah i was going to mention yeah. mask but that was a cartoon but like it was kind of its own thing it didn't yeah it didn't spin out of like star wars or you know, superheroes or anything like that. It was just its own creation. Right, right. Toys were, they weren't, that toys were almost a genre onto them, their own. With He-Man, I mean, He-Man had the toys before they had the cartoon. Right. They kind of built the cartoon around promoting the toys. Right, right. Um, and I think that kids today, I don't know if they're missing out on that because there are a lot of great toys. I Every year when we go to Toys R Us for our shopping trip, um, we always run into a lot of really cool stuff that we get excited about and would have loved as kids. But there's, I, I like that we grew up in the 80s where there was really, really strange stuff out there. Did yeah. you did you like the muscle things, the, the little pink muscle characters? I had a few of them, but I, I didn't love them all that much. I'm not a wrestling fan, so and those were like sort of wrestling guys, sort of, or were they not? I mean, they, they were. Yeah. There was a little ring, and you would even put them on these little hooks that... And you would like control the hooks with like these levers on the corners of the ring, and whoever fell off the hook was the loser. But you didn't really need the ring to play with yeah. them, you know. It never captured my imagination like any of the other fantasy or robot stuff that was out there. Um, they were battle never, beasts and stuff like that. They were, were battle really beasts. Cool. That's a real. That's a great callback. So the, if you have the muscle guys and then you have battle beasts, I mean, I'm gonna go battle beasts. The every muscle time. guys were, just, were never wrestlers to me, though. Like okay. I understand the concept, but right, they were, they were so always weird, so weird and bizarre looking. Yeah, that they just looked like yeah, any kind of like sci-fi fantasy tiny action figure. Right. No, I I'm with only you on a that. handful of them actually looked like wrestlers, and those agree. ones. Never got played with. <laughs> I think I probably saw the commercial and saw the ring and was immediately out. I never watched wrestling oh. as a kid. I didn't watch the cartoon, you know, Hulk Hogan All Star or whatever the hell that cartoon was. I didn't. I wasn't into any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. But for me, um, like Paul said, it was never about, about wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. Um, the, these things were almost like because they were about the same size as like green army men mm-hmm. but they were way more fun and interesting than like yeah. playing with army men they yeah. were like our generation's army men and I thought they were great fun because everyone was unique and it was kind of fun the way they came in the packaging you get the 20 pack or whatever which was like a big kind of like long box um, that you would slide out of its sleeve uh, picture like a box of chocolates or whatever or you could get like the pack of 10 that came in that plastic garbage can do you remember that? Like, I vaguely remember that, that. kind of translucent because I, I did have some of them I just don't remember really being into yeah. them or playing but I think I, that garbage can sounds familiar yeah. that sounds like something that I had um, yeah 
The 80s were a great time to be a kid. I'm really thankful that that's when we grew up and we got the, the movies that we got, the cartoons, the toys, all that stuff. Yeah. Were, were Battle Beasts the ones with, like, fire, water, yeah. and their animals? Mm-hmm. Yep. I never really had those. Oh, I love those. Because they had these little, like, holograms on their chest, yeah. every one of them, and you would have to, like, essentially warm them up with your body heat. So you'd rub it with your thumb or whatever. And you oh, you use your thumb. Well, my brother's wiener wasn't handy, so <laughs> yeah, I used my thumb, and and you would like warm it up with your thumb, and it would determine like what side he's on. So like your guy could be like wood, and he could defeat water, which I never really understood, but whatever. Because wood it was like floats a on water. I yeah, guess. it was a paper rock scissors thing. Mm-hmm. Wood fire water, but. Um, my favorite one was the was the ape one with the red armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I want to say he was fire, but I'm not sure. I think I I like the lion with the eye patch. I, I remember like, him. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he was water, but I don't I can't remember what what they all. Well, I guess that makes you team wood, Paul. Well, would I be any other team? No. How appropriate. No. It's a shame I don't have like a giant gorilla with a boner for. Whatever these toys were. That could be your next tattoo. <laughs> I'll start drawing that tonight. So, um, so anyway, uh, Paul, we really didn't get into any of your favorite birthday gifts as a kid. Was there one standout for you? Was there anything? No. There huh. there, are, there, are none. Like, I remember getting the ad app, but it was for Christmas. Well, that wasn't your birthday. Right, yeah. I don't remember. The only real birthday that stands out from being a kid was when the Penguins won the Stanley Cup in 91. On your birthday? They won it on the day of my party, which was May 25th. Well, that was thoughtful of them. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it worked out. How long did you have birthday parties for? Like, did you, was there a cutoff? Or, I mean, you're technically having one right now, so I guess even uh, now in your 60s, you're still able to have birthday I parties. Know, I feel like... Uh, I feel like we will like like big family parties and stuff. That had to stop around like thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, it's like, oh, I'd rather go over Steve's, I'd rather go over Brian's. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when it stopped for you guys? I think so. Yeah. There. I remember distinctly this. I I think I was it was either thirteen or fourteen, and I was asked what I wanted to do for my birthday, and I was like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want anybody <laughs> to come over. I, and, um, wow, thirteen-year-old curmudgeon. Yeah. You know, I think so family emo. parties for me went went into my late teens, maybe even early twenties. But um, birthday parties with kids, uh, maybe seventh grade was yeah. kind of it. Yeah, I I just was. Uh, I'm a summer birthday, so there was no school. There were if if I didn't want to see anybody, I didn't have to. So yeah, just kind of sectioned myself off and. I forget what I did that birthday. I think I played basketball in my backyard and read some comic books. It's pretty cool. Well, it doesn't sound terrible. No, not at all. So speaking of, speaking of reading comic books, Paul, we read uh, this comic book called Empress by Mark Miller and uh, Stuart Immonen that's put out by um, Icon, which is an imprint of Marvel Comics. Icon puts out kind of, um, I don't know, it's almost like their Vertigo line, like Marvel's Vertigo, stuff that kind of doesn't fit into the, the superhero world that they've created. 
Um, all this stuff kind of exists peripherally. It's like not a part of it at all. So like you'll see a lot of Mark Miller created stuff. Powers is probably the main one that I can think of that's part of uh, Icon, Brian Michael Bendis' Powers. Uh, there was another book, Nemesis. I think Brian Michael Bendis had another one. There might have even been some Ed Brubaker shit like, um, oh, I don't know, like some of that crime stuff mm -hmm. I feel like he, he put out through Icon. I can't, I'm kind of blanking on the name. But, um, but anyway, this one seems quite different than anything else that... Uh, that Icon puts out, and quite frankly, different than what anybody puts out, even though there's like a lot of familiarity to it, which is kind of like, I think, why we liked it. But uh, I bought this on a whim, and I brought it to the show tonight, and we all kind of took turns reading it, and um, I'm super curious to see what the birthday boy thought of this comic book. Oh, now that I know that it's a Marvel imprint, like... I'm I'm impressed by the book. I, I still like the book, but now like it makes more sense that like Mark Millar and Stuart Eminem are on a book together. I'm like, oh, now that makes sense because I didn't know what Icon was before until like right before we started recording. So I was I like, oh, look at these guys going out and just throwing this tiny Icon imprint a bone <laughs> and doing a doing some you know doing the Lord's work for this little publisher. So, like I, I no, want like, oh, well, to say that Marvel, it's like so. really loosely a Marvel because there's advertisements for other, like, image books in the back. So, I mean, and you're not going to see any advertisements throughout for Marvel in this. So it's it's in the you have to be a uh, professional reader of comic books like are there image comics advertisements? Yeah, look at the back Trigger cover. Circle, you're right. Yeah. You know, it, here's here's the uh, the thing. If you look in in the the small print, right on the very front of the cover, it in the first sentence, a subsidiary of Marvel Entertainment LLC. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you, Matt. Yeah, you just have a very very keen eye for that kind of stuff. So, I thought Jupiter's legacy was. Oh, that is an image book. It is an image book. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It's a very loose... I think that Icon gives the creators that put out their pro properties through them, they give them a lot of leeway to put whatever into this. And yeah. there's not a hint of any Marvel property in this book. So you would absolutely never know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Miller doesn't do Marvel books really anymore. You know, he, did, he was responsible for Civil War and other um, quality... Uh, books and titles, but um, now he's very focused on the creator-owned stuff, and he does it with Image Comics, and he does it with Icon, and that's it. That's what he does. Once you yeah. get to a certain place in your career, I think that's the stuff that you want to do. You want to breathe life into your own properties and see if you can make them you know, as popular as some of the licensed work that you've done. There's something very cinematic about Mark Miller. I feel like he writes very much with the intention and the expectation that all of his shit is going to get uh, translated to a movie. Um, everything from pacing to tone to um, just kind of like, well... I guess pacing and tone is really it, but like there's and the even artists, the dialogue. The artists that he gets to work on his stuff, um, even the way that they present the 
the material. I yeah. mean, that's it's not just the writing. He's he's very careful to select people that really work with whatever style of, or genre that he's you know putting out there. I agree. Um, I thought that these comics were pretty cinematic. I felt like they almost it was like Stuart Immonen should almost get like paid extra for having storyboarded this already for the movie studio um, because there were there was a kinetic energy to the to the artwork that was just fantastic um, I I know that I asked Paul to give his thoughts but I, I guess I'll kind of yeah steal his thunder a little bit um, I think these books are great I think these were um, kind of a a desperate breath of fresh air that we need in in comics and it's funny that I refer to it as a breath of fresh air because this comic book feels very familiar at the same time it feels very much like a blend of Star Wars and it feels like a blend of Blade Runner and even like something as quirky as like the fifth element is kind of mixed in there um, there's there's something about it and and you're almost immediately wanting to see this on the big screen mm -hmm. because it's it's got that huge epic scope and yet it's still telling an intimate story which is exactly like what Star Wars does so well um, or even the fifth element or things like that, that that can maintain that that intimacy with its storytelling so um, I love I love the story it's fun it's quick it's easy I'm all about that um, but the artwork holy crap you know I liked what Stuart Immonen did on Star Wars recently but this is even better mm -hmm. I he's, agree he's creating worlds that's like that can't be easy to create from scratch a, a sci-fi world yeah the, the aesthetics of the spaceships and the cities that you visit and even the aliens are, are really interesting and it is an interesting kind of um, really beautiful world that's laid out here. Stuart Eminem, man, um, it's he, he's one of the artists that sometimes I kind of forget about how awesome he is. His latest run on Star Wars really put that back, you know, in, in focus for me that he's one of the greatest talents that we have right now in comic books. Um, yeah, Mark Millar, I think that it's sort of like a mission statement for him to create properties that would translate easily to film. I think that's something that um, he's not shy about um, selling his properties to studios or being at the forefront of getting his stuff out there. He's one of the most successful comic book creators in having his work produced as feature films. Um, one, it was just on this past weekend. A fucking terrible movie. But it was, at the time, there weren't tons of comic book properties other than Marvel and DC things out there and he had that kick-ass two films of kick-ass were produced and you know there's st we're still waiting on you know Black Widow and you know uh, Wonder Woman to come out but he got two kick-ass movies made mm -hmm. so that's a testament to Mark Millar's um, writing his talent and probably being a pitch man and selling his products to these big studios there's some weird spaceness going on in this book. You know, it's got some 
Star Wars going on. Some weird aliens. Got some saga happening. Um, but unlike most Mark Millar books, all the characters were kind of likable. You only get to actually meet uh, three of them. The Sir Jorah Mormont character. <laughs> uh, and the Empress. And then the Empress's daughter, uh, Ayn. And other than that, no one really has a whole lot of a whole lot of face time. But normally, it's the lead characters in a Mark Millar book that are sort of unlikable, right? Which is a shame because those shouldn't be the characters that are unlikable. But uh, these three main characters in this one, uh, yeah, I'm I'm all in. Like I, they had to sell me on it. I picked it up when I saw Stuart Eminem's name because Stuart Eminem, you know, made even some really weird Star Wars stories that Marvel's putting out now really kind of acceptable and kind of good. And I was like, what's Stuart Eminem doing on this tiny little icon book? Well, now it makes sense why he's on this not-so-tiny icon book. So I saw his name, and I love his artwork, and I'm glad I picked it up. I started flipping through it. I was like, eh, read a couple panels. Yeah, I, and then 15 minutes later, you know, the rest of the book's done. I'm like, hmm, Matt, why don't you give me number two over there? <laughs> yeah, I, I looked over and I saw you were, like, still had your nose buried in it. And I was like, are, are you, like, reading it? Because I thought you were just thumbing through it. Yeah. And um, I thought that was a good sign because I hadn't read it yet. So as you were, like, getting sucked in, I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm probably going to need to read this tonight too so that way we have something to talk about other than Boglins tonight yeah it was surprise pretty- Boglins <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was it was pretty cool I feel like there's a lot more story that Mark Millar is gonna spin out of this right now it's just kind of the story of a wife and her kids getting away from her Thanos like husband who's ultimately gonna send you know his you know military after them to bring them back and the like captain of the guard that helps them escape is probably going to get killed at some point. Dane have Dane lock or whatever. Have lock, have lock, have lock. So you think he's going to bite it? Yeah, at some point I think they'll, they'll probably kill him. Well, he's the hero. He's the Well, the Empress is the hero. Is she? So far she's, she's in focus. distress. Right. And she hasn't done a whole lot. And I was I actually thought that towards the end. I was like, "You know what?" For this being the Empress book, the title is Empress, it's about this girl. Yeah. And you get a flashback to her past and she really hasn't done a lot. No, she up hasn't, but sometimes book. shit is named after the, the girl you're rescuing. I mean, look at Zelda, right? Zelda is called Zelda even though you play as Link the whole right. time. A little video game on you, sorry. Yes, but uh, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of room for... The character to come into her own. We're gonna find out more about her and where she's from, what she's capable of. Would either of you guys pick this book up? Yeah, I would definitely pick this book up. I'm probably going to start following it now. I wonder if this is gonna be a a Mark Millar, Stewart, and then together or after. Well, they are co-creators for this property, so I mean that goes well. It doesn't say that this is a limited series, but a lot of the icon stuff is limited to. 6 to 12. It is, and this also has kind of that that finite kind of a feel to it. Like, this is 
this has a very specific story that's going to be told, and that's going to be that. And then they'll make a movie about it. And then the movie will be good, and then they'll make a sequel, and comic series, and then a sequel movie. There it worked out. That might happen. Yeah, I would, um, I definitely recommend this. I'm, I'm definitely going to pick these first two issues up. Really quality stuff. And, um, it is nice to be able to find new, exciting things from our, from comic books. And this is definitely something that I would recommend to comic book readers. Yes. Yeah, I think we'll probably picking up on this. Cool. Does anyone else have anything to add to me? I really don't. After a long weekend, a long birthday, we're going to sign off. Thanks to everyone for listening. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell. See you next time.